Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Today we are going to speak on, give continuity to the sermon that we've been preaching uh, a little over seven weeks now. We, we did a sermon series uh, which was supposed to last for four weeks. Um, but God has just been doing some wonderful things through the series. And uh, I told the team, I don't know why I'm in a hurry to close the series. Um, because I, I felt that the Lord just wants us to continue to talk about worship and talk about praise. And so I told the team, um, um, we may be in this series up until we start our next series, which is Summer at New Birth, towards the end of May, uh, beginning of, Mar- of, Ju- of June. So I, I just don't want to rush uh, what God is doing in this church. And so that's why um, we're just going to continue to ride this, this series until the Lord says otherwise. Amen. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I bring this to your attention because <clears throat> I want you all here to be reminded of this fact. I want everyone here to be reminded of this fact. And that is that God is doing something special in new birth. God is doing something special. What God is doing in this church does not make sense what god is doing in this church is not normal what god is doing in this church breaks every church plant rule there is what god is doing in this church is ridiculous in the good sense of the word and and so the question is because 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 if we were to go by what the books say on church planting then we, wouldn't, we should not be where we're at today. And if we're not where we are at today, then it, we can just follow the book of experts and say, well, okay, well, this is where we're at, so these are the three things we got to do, and if we do these three things, then we'll be at this place. But the way God is working with us is in a way that we're breaking every rule. We're breaking every rule. And in case you're here for the first time, we've only been in existence for two years and five months. We have three churches. We planted five churches in three years, two years and five months. This doesn't make sense. And so I want to remind us, because we could get caught up in, in the hype of what God is doing, that we lose sensitivity to the fact that where we're at is an act of grace. And we have to maintain ourselves humble as God continues to do bigger and greater things. So, so what God is doing here is special. And, I, and, I, and I, I mentioned this morning in Pontiana, and I'll tell you all here today. Here at New Birth, we want to be known as a church that is hungry for God's presence. You go to churches, and some churches are known by what they do or by, or by their works or exploits. And, 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 and some churches are known by their conferences, and other churches are known by their events. But at New Birth, we want to be the kind of church that we want to be known as a church that is hungry for God's presence. Hungry, hungry, hungry. Have you ever been hungry before? I'm talking about hungry. Like you, you, you was chewing on a pencil, you felt like eating it. Hungry. Hungry for God's presence. We want to be the kind of church that we are hungry for his presence. Because we understand that if there is no presence, there is no church. 
If there is no presence, we're just another group of people coming together for any other reason other than God. What makes this assembly different from all the others is that when we come together, we come together in the name of Jesus and in the power of that name. And when we come together in the power of the name, God's presence is made manifest. And when his presence is made manifest, God's church is equipped, God's church is blessed, God's church is restored. If there is no presence, I want to let y'all know this, there's no church. And it's crazy because in the Bible, there's a guy by the name of Moses who God calls out to set God's people free. And on his journey towards the promised land, God makes promises to Moses. Promises to Moses. And Moses comes to a point where he feels that the promises are good. I will give you the land of the Hittites, the, the, the Amalekites, the Midianites, the Philistines. I will give you the land of everybody. But in the middle of all that, Moses and God has a conversation. And this is, what, this is what God tells Moses and what Moses replies to God. In the book of Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15. It says, the Lord replied, meaning that Moses was speaking first. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Let me give you context. By this point, Moses already had crossed the Red Sea. By this moment, water already came out of a rock. By this moment, bread from heaven came down to earth. By this moment, the ground opened up the earth and it swallowed Moses' enemies. I mean, Moses had seen God do so many powerful things in his ministry, yet he comes to a point in his life where he says, even after you opened the Red Sea, even after water came out of a rock, even after you killed my enemies, even after bread came down from heaven, I want to let you know, God, that I am not going to make and take another step outside of your presence being with me. We want to be the kind of church that every step we take, we take it led by the power of the Spirit of God that is in us, church. You know what I call that? I call that living a life of consistent presence awareness. He says, I am not going to take another step if your presence ain't here. Which means Moses knows the difference between his presence and his provision. Moses knows the difference between water coming out of a rock and God being present. He says, I, I, know the I know the water and I know the stones and I know this and I know that. But I want to make sure that every step I take, when I look in my environment, I can see you there. If you're not there, I'm not going to take one more step. So what is worship? What is worship? People think that worship is a kind of song. No, 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 no. That's praise, right? Worship is, here I am to <laughs> Singing like you on drugs. Or here I am to Man up. That's what you got to do. Listen to me. Worship is much more than just singing. And I'll prove it to you. 
when God gave Moses instructions, somebody say, Pastor, take your time. Okay. McBride, can I take my time? Okay. Okay. When, 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 God, when God gave Moses instructions to build the tabernacle. Now, what is the tabernacle? One day I will preach on the tabernacle. I'll give a study on the tabernacle. When God gave Moses to build him a tabernacle, he told him to build him a tabernacle so that his presence can be with God's people. Now, here's the, here's the crazy thing about the tabernacle. God told Moses, book of Leviticus, God gave Moses instructions to build him a tabernacle while they were still nomads in a strange land. God told Moses, build me a tabernacle while they were still journeying for 40 years in the wilderness and they did not own property or land yet. They didn't have a home. They were living in the wilderness and while they were nomads, God says, build me a tabernacle. My point is, what makes a church is not four walls. You can be in your most desert-like experience, but if you have an awareness of God's presence, God's presence in your desert becomes a tabernacle for God to dwell in. Now listen to this, listen to this. They were nomads walking in deserts. From one location to the next, from one location to the next. And God says, here's what I'm going to do because I know that you feel being in the desert is much worse when you were in Egypt with Pharaoh. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you make me a tabernacle so that in the middle of your worst position, geographically speaking, you're going to be aware of this, that my presence will be with you every place you go. So he says, build me a tabernacle. So God gives him instructions. To build them a tabernacle. Now, when they build it, and again, this was a mobile church, just like us. Moses is pastoring a mobile church, just like us. Somebody say amen. In case y'all don't know, we are a mobile church. In case you all don't know, this is not our building. This is Osceola High School. In case you missed the big sign in the front. Every Sunday, my son leaves my house at 5.30 in the morning and some other guys from the church. And they come here and start setting up because this is not our home. We're a mobile church. God called Moses to pastor a mobile church and he tells them, build me a tabernacle in the desert. I, I want that to marinate because we are in our wilderness journey right now. But, 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 but don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Oh, we don't own a building. Listen, Israel's greatest glory happened when they didn't have a land. Israel's greatest glory happened while they were still in the desert. So, so we don't have to wait to have a big building and a big church to say we made it. No, no, we're making it right now. It doesn't make sense how people getting saved left and right and they got to pass through a high school and pass through a parking lot full of other PTA programs because there's something about this wilderness that the presence of God, that's why, that's why we cannot compromise the presence of God for making people feel comfortable because the only agent that can change somebody's life is the presence of God. That's why Moses says, if your presence don't go with me, I ain't going nowhere. Now listen, we're talking about worship. He says, build me a tabernacle. And then he says, 
And these are the people that I want to work the tabernacle. And so he picked Levites. Somebody say Levites. What are Levites? Well, to know what Levites know, to know what Levites are or who Levites are, you have to know what Levite means. Levites come from the name of a man named Levi. Somebody say, who is Levi? Levi is one of Jacob's 12 sons. Jacob had 12 sons. The 12 sons of Jacob makes the nation of Israel. If there were no 12 sons, there wouldn't be 12 tribes. If there's no 12 tribes, there would be no Israel nation. Because Jacob, when he fought with the angel of the Lord, the Bible says that God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. So the nation of Israel is the end result of Jacob who had an encounter with God. Now, Jacob had 12 sons. 12 sons. But Jacob had two wives. If there's anybody here with two wives, I bind the devil in Jesus' name. I'm not trying to encourage you to get another wife. <laughs> the devil is a lie. Jacob had two wives. But let me tell you how this wife thing happened. Jacob was being persecuted by his brother Esau. He was out to kill him. He's running for his life. When he runs for his life, he finds himself living in this town. And when he comes to this town... He falls in love with a chick by the name of Rachel. Falls in love with Rachel. In the time of the Bible, um, <clears throat> you couldn't just marry somebody because you thought they had pretty eyes and, and cute lips. No, you had to ask permission. And the father had to give the authority for you to marry his daughter. So when Jacob saw Rachel that she was beautiful, he went to Papa. He said, I want to marry your daughter. Papa said, if you want to marry my daughter, you got to work for me seven years. Got to work for me seven years. So he works for his father-in-law, whose name was Laban. And for seven years, he worked to get his bride by the name of Rachel. The Bible says that he loved us so much that seven years seemed like nothing because he was in love with her. Here's the deal. When it was time to get married, instead of marrying Rachel, the one he loved, he married Leah, his sister. And he didn't know he married her till after the morning when they finished their little honeymoon. The sister. So Rachel, who was the guy Jacob loved, worked seven years for, which means he must have been drunk, gets married to the wrong chick. Gets married to the wrong chick by the name of Leah. He marries Leah. When he wakes up in the morning, he goes to Laban and says, hey, you tricked me. I, I wanted to marry Rachel. He said, it is custom in our family that the oldest got to get married first and then the youngest. He says, here's what I do. Since you married Leah, stay with her, work for me another seven years, and then I'll give you Rachel. That's, that's the bochinche in the Bible. Oh, translation, gossip, right? So, so, Jacob, so Jacob now is married to sisters, Leah and Rachel. Now, Rachel was beautiful. Leah, the Bible says she had a problem with her eyes. She, couldn't, she had, she had a, def a defect with her vision. But, but even though Leah had a defect with her sight, she was fertile in her womb. Rachel was beautiful on the outside, but she couldn't have babies. Well, I can preach that, but that's not my message. But, but here's the point, here's the point, here's the point. Leah now is trying to give babies to Jacob because in the times of the Bible, 
the blessing of a man was to have children. But since Rachel couldn't have any babies and Leah could have babies, so now Leah was getting pregnant left and right, left and right, and Jacob was not liking Leah because he didn't like her. He liked Rachel. But after she gave him a fourth son, she said, I'm going to call this son Levi, which means attached. She's thinking, after I give him this other child, he's going to attach himself to me and disconnect from Rachel and not love her no more. But now he's going to attach himself to me and he's going to love me. So when you hear the name Levi, it means to attach. When you hear the name Levi, it means to love to the point of never letting go. And it was out of that son, Levi, that God decides to pick the tribe of Levi. And out of the tribe of Levites, he picks the Levites who are going to work in the tabernacle. Why? Because once you expose yourself to the love of God, there's no way in the world that you want to detach yourself from the present. I don't know how people have a relationship with God and just because somebody stepped on your toe, you disconnect yourself from God. When you are a Levite, it don't matter who talks about you. When you're a Levite, it don't matter who shoulders you rub up against. When you're a Levite, you're attached to Christ and you say stuff like, who can separate us from the love of Jesus, tribulation, distress, peril, nakedness, sort nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Jesus. So to be a Levite meant to be attached, to be attached. And it was the Levites that God chose to work with worship. It was the Levites that God selected to work with his glory. Now, now, I told you, many people feel that worship has everything to do with singing. But in the Bible, there were Levites whose sole purpose in the tabernacle was to work. Now, let me show you the scripture as I move forward. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 14 and 15. It says, so the priests and Levites... Consecrate, that word consecrate is to be set apart. Consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord. Now, whenever you see the ark of the Lord, I want you to replace that statement, ark of the Lord, for the presence or the glory of God. Okay, let's read that verse again. So the priests and the Levites set themselves apart, consecrated themselves in order to bring the presence of God or the glory of God, okay, of Israel. Verse 15, and the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of God. Time out. Time out. I thought that to be a worshiper was to sing. But he says the Levites who were the worshipers, part of what they did was sing, but singing was in the end result of what they did. There were Levites who all they did was carry the ark. Pastor, how is it that me carrying this I'm worshiping because I thought worship was, Lord, I lift the name on high, right? <laughs> How is it that carrying this is an act of worship? I'm going to get there in a minute. While they were carrying the ark, what God saw was worship. But then there were Levites 
whose purpose was to sing, and that's all they did sing. And then there were Levites whose purpose was to play music, and that's all they did. And then there were Levites whose job was just to write songs, and that's all they did. And then there were Levites. Let me explain. Let me explain. See, 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 the Levitical ministry was bigger and greater than singing. See, see, we, 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 we you know, we, we get this assumption that the high priest, right, that no one was able to go into the Holy of Holies except once a year. The high priest would go in and he would sacrifice, right, for one day in a year. And then the other 364 days, nobody went in there. That's not true. That's not true. And I'll prove it to you it's not true. Because the other, the question is what were, what was being done in the Holy of Holies the 364 days of the year? Because the 364 days of the year when it says nobody went in but a priest and he would go in once a year, he would just go in to do sacrifice. But somebody had to clean the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies you had the Ark of the Covenant. In the Holy of Holy, you had, you had the, the candlesticks, which I'll explain that one day. Book of Revelation talks about that. In the Holy of Holies, you had, you had this table of showbread. In the Holy of Holies, they had a lot of utensils. And every single day, there was a Levite assigned to go into the Holy of Holies and clean the candlesticks. And he had to clean the utensils. And he had a shiny because it was made out of gold. Because, because if, if, if we go by the theory that nobody went in but one to hear, then what you're telling me is that the high priest was going to use dusty. How do I know it was dusty? They were in the desert full of dirt. If the high priest would have used dirty utensils, God would have never descended his presence because God does not habitat in the midst of dirt. So somebody every single day had to go in the Holy of Holies and clean and shine the utensils. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. What I'm trying to tell you is this, that the victory of the Shekinah glory coming down once a year was not the end result of one specific man going in the Holy of Holies. If the guy who cleans didn't clean it, then the guy who did sacrifice couldn't sacrifice. So the victory of God's presence is when everybody in the church understands that what you do is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. You don't serve in the church because you're, you're impressing me. You're serving in the church because you understand my part and your part and your part and your part is going to cause the presence of God to come down at church. How many of you guys have not been to one of our bathrooms? Raise your hand. Nobody's been to another bathroom? All right. After service, go to the bathroom. Check it out. Our bathrooms are off the hook. You go to our bathrooms, you're going to find Q-tips in the bathroom. You go to our bathroom, you're going to find spray. Because some of y'all, you know, don't know how to be good when you're going there. You go to our restrooms, you're going to find deodorant. Females, if you go to our restroom, you're going to find feminine At our church. Fellas, if you go to one of our bathrooms, you're going to find a bottle that you squirk out Listerine. I'm not, I'm not trying to say nothing to nobody. I'm just saying. Now, now, why? Why do we do that? Why? 
do we have tissue? Why do we have cream, hand cream, hand lotion? Why do we have hand lotion in the Bible? In, in the bathroom, why, why, why? Is there, is there something about our lotion that causes the Spirit of God to fall when you squirk it in your hands? Is there something about our deodorant that's full of the power of the Holy Spirit that when you put it on, you want to dance it? No, none of that happens. But, 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 but here's what we understand. We understand that everybody that does a specific function in the church creates an environment that causes people like you to say, wow, I cannot believe that I'm going to a church in a school yet I feel like I am in the comfort of my home. What is that? That's an act of worship. Imagine, imagine women, if you would, if you are in the time of the month and you forgot for whatever reason to bring your necessary appliances, right? And, and now you walk in the church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you come to church and you realize that you don't have nothing in your purse. You have two options. Option number one, go to the nearest CVS, buy it and come to church, which some of y'all will never do. Or option number two, take your car, drive around and go back home. But when you come to the house of God, under those circumstances, you say, no, I know that I can go to new birth because I'm going to find the ordering for my armpit, cream for my hands, and if I forgot to spray my hair, they got me to why? What are we doing? We're allowing you to understand that we are creating an environment so that you can realize that we want you to give as much as we're giving you. So when the person that does the cream bathroom, when the person sets up the toilet, she's worshiping God just as much as I am when I'm on a pulpit. That's why the glory of one person coming to Jesus don't go to Gabby, it goes to God. But every person that serves in the church is giving God worship by doing what they were called to do. So if you feel that you can't be used because you're not a singer, I'm here to tell you, if you know how to sweep, we need Pentecostal sweepers in Jesus' name. Pastor, I don't know how to preach, okay? Uh -huh. Can you, do you know how to speak on a walkie-talkie? We need security. And I'm here to tell you that everything we do in this church, we do it to the glory and the honor of God, which is why we do it with excellence. So you had those that played and sang. 1 Chronicles 15, 16 says, David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful noise sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. So you had Levites that sang. You had Levites that played. You had Levites that wrote songs. And you had Levites that served. Now, here's what's crazy. The only ones that qualified to be working in the tabernacle... Or Levites. If you was from the tribe of Judah, you couldn't. If you was from the tribe of Benjamin, you couldn't work in the tabernacle. The only ones that qualified to work in the tabernacle were from the tribe of Levi. The Levites. Now here's what's crazy. If that's true, then here's what's crazy. There was only about 2,000 Levites appointed to work in the tabernacle. Now understand, the tabernacle in the times of the Bible was not like our church in the times of the 20, 21st century. Where at the, we do church every Sunday for two hours, right? You come at 11.15, you leave at 12.30, 1 o'clock, the Holy Spirit moves, you leave at 7 o'clock at night, right? But in the times of the Bible, the tabernacle was going on seven days a week, 24 hours a day. There was no such thing, I'm going to churches from 7 to 9. The tabernacle was working every second of every hour of every day of every week, 24-7. 
but they only had close to 2,500 Levites. If you divide 2,500, let's say 3,000. If you divide 3,000 Levites by 365 days, working 24 hours a day, day working all non-stop here's the deal here's the deal here's the deal here's the deal a levi only worked two times two times in the year one week each time so for example if i was a levite they will appoint me to work week number 22 and week number 52. Those were the only two weeks of the year that I was working. What does that mean by that? That those were the two weeks I was assigned to go into the tabernacle and shine or do whatever I had to do. Because there was so many Levites and there was so little days that when they divided the days amongst the Levites, I only got two weeks out of the year to serve in the house of the Lord. You think that the week that I was assigned to work, I was going to procrastinate and mess around and get... The, I, I had, I had, I had, I had 50 weeks to do what I do right. I had 50 weeks to practice my gift so that when my week came, I was going to give God the best of the best of me. This is why God, God, God broke that because now when God makes you a Levite, you don't have to serve God two weeks out of the year, but every single day. That's why the Bible says that we are, we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Every day I wake up in the morning, I'm going to give God the best of me. Everywhere I go, I'm going to give God the best of me. Whatever I do, I'm going to do it unto the glory of God because when I worship God like that, the glory of God comes down. Listen to me. This is the kind of worship that God is requiring of us. So if you're a singer, sing the hell out of it for Jesus. If you're a bathroom cleaning, clean that bathroom in Jesus' name. If you're not doing nothing in this church, you better get with the program. You can't be part of this church. Yes, you can. You shouldn't be part of this church and do nothing in the house of the Lord. Uh-uh. You got six days to get this right. You got six days to come to church and give God the best, the best, the best, the best, the best. And this is why we as a church, we understand. That if there's one thing we're not going to allow to leave us is God's presence. Because there's something between God's presence and my work. There's something between God's presence and my sweat. There's something between God's presence and my contribution. There, there, there's a link between how I express praise with what I'm doing to the Lord. And when I connect those two things together, there's no way in the world that I'm going to give God a half praise because I know there's work into it. That's why I want to encourage the church. Would you, would, you, would you consider being part of the vision of this church and get involved in the life of the church? And I'm telling you today, in the news ad of news, birth there's a help one to section and God is recruiting Levites who are willing to serve in the kingdom of God to reach the city to the glory of God now let me tell you what's a non-negotiable in this church non-negotiable no presence of God in this church is a non-negotiable it's just not gonna happen not in this church we cannot live without the presence of God. 
in this church, I don't know about any other church, in this church, the presence of God has got to be real. But the presence of God is not here. You bring the presence of God. I bring the presence of God. That's why we have to be Levites who are working and are attached to God every day of the week so that when we come together, we're synergizing the presence of God and every one of us so that when we come together, we're not just coming together to create an atmosphere. We're coming together because we're bringing in the atmosphere of praise and worship in the house of God. It is a non-negotiable. I want you to know we will not allow the presence to leave us in this house. There's a guy in the Bible, a pastor. Well, he was a priest, but I call him a pastor. And look at the sad story. A man by the name of Eli. Check this out. First Samuel chapter 4, verse 12 and on. Check this out. The same day, a Benjamite ran from battle, from the battle line, I'm sorry, and went to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dust on his head. Because whenever somebody would die, the custom was you rip your clothes and you put, you know, dust on your head. When he arrived, there was Eli. Sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching, because his heart feared for the ark of God. The ark of God, remember I told you, represents the presence of God. When the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. Eli heard the outcry and asked, what is the meaning of this uproar? The man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old. And whose eyes had failed so that he could not see. Check this out. He told Eli, I have just come from the battle line. I fled from it this very day. And Eli asked, what happened, my son? The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines. And the army has suffered heavy losses. What does that mean? People died in battle. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas are dead. And the ark of God had been captured. Isn't that drama? But look at what made this man lose his life. Check this out. When he heard the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died. For he was an old man. He didn't die because his sons died in battle. He didn't die because the soldiers died in the battle. He died the moment he heard that the presence of God was taken from Israel. He couldn't embrace the loss of God's presence that he fell back and died. We got to be that kind of church that the presence of God leaving this house is not negotiable. You can leave, your family can leave, anybody can leave, but the presence of God has got to be in the house of God. Eli fell backwards, not because his children died, but simply because the ark of God was taken. And it gets even crazy. Remember, he has two kids. One of his sons was married. And one of his sons, the one that's married, his wife is pregnant. The news came to the wife. Check this out, verse 19. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. 
but was overcome by her labor pain. Check this out. As she was dying, the woman attending her said, don't despair. You have been given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. Look what little verse 21. This is crazy. She named the boy Ichabod. Somebody say Ichabod. Which means the glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God. Check this out. Check this out. When she was going to name her son, she should have named her son Phinehas, so that whenever he would grow up, why did you name me Phinehas? Because your father was a great man. Because your father was a great battle guy. No, no, no. She said, no, no. I got to name the son Ichabod because I want this son to know that he cannot live life absent from the presence of God. What am I trying to tell you, church? What I'm trying to tell you is that we as believers, we've got to live our daily walk understanding this. The presence of God is a catalyst in my life. His daughter-in-law received the pain but the greatest pain she received was not that her husband died was not that her brother-in-law died was not that her father-in-law died the greatest pain she received was when the presence of almighty God that's why David in Psalms 51 he says God do not depart your Holy Spirit from me when we make the Holy Spirit and the presence of God a paramount point in our lives our lives will be one of victory in Jesus name Listen to me, church. She named him Ichabod. The glory has departed. But God is calling us to be bearers of his glory. God is calling you to carry his glory. Now let me tell you, let me tell you the responsibility in carrying God's glory. Let me talk to you about the requirements of carrying God's glory. Carrying God's glory requires commitment. Somebody say commitment. Somebody say commitment. Carrying God's glory requires commitment. We as a church, we are new birth. And even our name is intentional. Our name it's composed of eight letters, new birth. And we have created an acronym for our name. The N for new birth, because we're carrying the glory of God in this church. The N of new birth means no excuses. We cannot bring excuses to God for not his, for his glory not to pour in this place. In this church, there is no excuse. There is no pretense. We believe that as a church, there's no excuses. We got to get the job done in order to get God's glory to fall. No excuses. Have you ever been around people that always got excuses? They always justify their mistakes. They always justify their wrong. And they're always trying to put, listen, stop with the excuses and get with the program. No excuses. Why? Because we're carrying the glory of God. The end is no excuses. The E of new birth is extra work. It takes a lot of work to do church. I'm sorry, the extra mile, extra mile. It requires us to go the extra mile in this church. Any other church, they open the door, seven minutes before service starts, everybody has church. Us, we got to be here. Three hours before service starts. 
extra mile. In this church, we go the extra mile. Not only in our work, but the extra mile and reaching others to come to the glory of God. Which is why I want to encourage this church that it is our responsibility every single Sunday when we walk out the door to go the extra mile and say, who can I bring to church next Sunday? <coughs> Going the extra mile. Listen to me. We have to go the extra mile. If we don't go the extra mile, nobody will. So while there's no excuses, the E is extra mile. W for new birth is work. It takes work for God to move. It takes work for the presence to fall. It took 10 days in the upper room for the fire of God to fall down. It takes work. It requires you rolling up your sleeves and you rolling up your sleeves and you rolling up your sleeves and we're all here together working. But somewhere between the work that we're doing, we have an expectation that something is going to come down. It's just like a farmer. Every time a farmer plants a seed while he's working under the sun, he has this in mind. Soon, but very soon, I'm going to get a harvest out of this sweat. Every time we work in the church, we're working with that mentality. We're putting up speakers and we're putting up projectors and we're putting up pianos because we know that when the service starts today God is going to touch somebody's life I'm here to tell you there is power in work when you start operating like that you say pastor where can I work in the church because I want to be part of the problem of the, the solution I want to be part of the glory I want to be part of the blessing I want to be part of what God is doing we need to work last Sunday it took hundreds of people to work to make Resurrection Sunday a success. Last Sunday there were people that worked for the first time in this church. And their experience was, Pastor, I don't want to stop working. I don't want to stop working. And all they did, we had a brother, all he did was cut the nails of the homeless. And he said, Pastor... I don't know, Pastor, but man, I felt so much joy clipping the hell out of those nails. I felt so much joy. And then I saw one of the guys that cut his nails, he came to the altar. And then that same guy, he went and got baptized. And I didn't do much. All I did was cut his nails. But when you know that your work is a contribution to something big, oh, my God, you'd be surprised how God can use you for his glory. The B for new birth is believe. We believe that we have been chosen by God to be a place of hope. We believe that God has entrusted us as a church to change our city. That's what we believe. We're not doing this because we have no faith. We are believing God for great things. So N, no excuses. E, extra mile. W, work. B, believe. I, 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 I is intentional. We're not doing church as it goes on. No, we think. And I want to let you know, tomorrow, every Monday, I meet with my staff. And you know what we talk about every Monday? What went right today? What went wrong today? And what are we going to do next Sunday to make today, next Sunday better than this Sunday? That's tomorrow from 10 to 12. Every Monday. We're intentional about church. Church doesn't just happen. Now, let's see what happens. What are you going to sing? <laughs> no, no, no. We plan it. 
We're intentional because we want you to realize that when you're walking through those doors, every banner you see out there, everything you see engraved in the grass, every you look nice, have a coffee and us, God's going to speak to you. That's intentional. We're not putting out there just because we got nothing better to us. No, we're doing that because we want you to know that when you walk out this door, we want you to walk in intentionality. We want you to walk out and say, who am I going to touch? Who am I going to bless? Who am I going to bring to Jesus? Who am I going to show them the bathroom to? Who am I going to show children's church to? Who is going to see God through our church? We're intentional in what we do. Believe intentional. R for birth is reach. We're called to reach others for Christ. We're called to reach others for Christ. This can't be just for us. How to be selfish. We have to reach. We have to reach. How many of us have been in church God knows how long and we haven't reached one person to Jesus? We have to reach. I remember back in the days, we used to get free cheese in the Bronx. And everybody will tell everybody, hey, there's free cheese in 136. Everybody go get cheese. Big yellow block of cheese. We got something better than cheese. We have to reach others and tell others. We have to reach others and tell others. So no excuses. Extra mile. Work. Believe. Intentional. Right? Reach. T. Trust God. As we do what we can do, we're trusting God for him to do what we cannot do. We can't save people. That's God's job. But we trust that if, that, if, that if we are faithful with what he has called us to do, we're going to place our trust in him. And he, who is the Lord of the harvest, will bring us the people to the glory of his name. And lastly, the H for birth is heal. And that's what we believe God does in this, in this place every Sunday. Heal people. Heal broken people. Hurting. People that come from other churches broken and hurting and rejected. This is a place of hope. This is the place of healing. This is the place of restoration. There, there's, there's no judgment zone in this place. Everybody is welcome to be involved and be part of the church as long as you understand there's a responsibility from God's behalf towards you and I to become new birth, a place of hope. Carrying the glory requires commitment. I'm almost done. Carrying the glory requires humility. You can't have the glory and be pride, prideful. Oh, girl, you, you, you heard when I sang that? <laughs> you heard that? When I did that, <laughs> everybody was going, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's pride, baby. Yeah, when I, when I took the mic and I did like this, <laughs> yeah, they do, oh, I'm anointed. No, no, that's pride, baby. This is not about you. This is not about me. If it wasn't for Jesus, I couldn't hold my breath. Carrying the weight of God's glory will always keep us humble. I want you to know, and I'm going to say this again. In the, I don't know any other church. In this church, there's no room for superstars. Mm -mm. And we don't value somebody better than the other. Because when I look at the Bible, all of the Levites were equal. They all had different functions, but every function was paramount and essential. Levites were composed of singers, workers, 
those that cleaned the utensils in the tabernacles, those that prepared the tables for sacrifice, those that sang, those that played instruments, those that carried the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody had a different function. But when God saw them doing their job, he wasn't, oh, that's better than this one. No, as long as you're doing it unto the Lord, everybody is the same in terms of God's credit for his people. And this is why, this is why humility demands, I'm sorry, Glory demands humility. Glory demands humility. Carrying the glory will always produce God's presence. Now, I like the word glory. Because the word glory in the Hebrew, one of the words glory is kabod. And, 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 and something about this word is that glory means to, to pressure down. It means to... I, I got to say in Spanish, aplastar. To, 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 how do you say aplastar in English? To squish. When, when you say, Lord, I, I want your glory, here's what you're telling God. Squish me. Squish me. Because what happens when God's glory come over you, it, this is what God does. This is what God When God's glory come over you, when God's glory come over you, um, 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 um. No, I'm not going to do it. When God's glory come over you, God's glory does this. It gets on top of. Right? Right. What's this? That's a speaker. It's a monitor. Okay? Technical terms. It's a monitor, right? And the monitor, as long as you see it there, you know it's a monitor. But glory does this. Glory does this. Glory gets on top. Glory gets on top of the monitor. Now you don't see the monitor. Now you only see the glory on top of the monitor. So when you say, God, give me your glory, what you're telling God is, God, I want you to be so on top of me that you squish my ego, you squish my pride, you squish me, so that it is not I, but Christ that lives in me. I'm here to tell you, whenever you carry the glory of God, the glory of God produces presence, and when his presence shows up, it makes us small so that he can be great. Carrying the glory produces God's presence. When the Levites carry the load, God's presence would descend. What God is doing in New Birth Church is not the result of one man, but a ministry. And I'm going to ask, there's a team of Levites that I have back here. I'm going to ask them to come out. Because this is ministry. This right here is what we call the Ark of Covenant. This right here represents the presence of God in the Bible. This is the reason why Eli fell back and broke his neck when he heard that this was taken away. This is why Eli's mom-in-law or daughter-in-law died while giving birth. Because this was taken away. This is why God told the Levites to build me a tabernacle so that the Ark of the Covenant could be there. So that whenever they saw this, they saw the presence of God. Praise, praise. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's What is this? Two angels. This is called a cherubim. Cherubim. In the Bible, you had angels, seraphims, archangels, right? Living creatures. But then seraphims, and then you had cherubims. 
the job of a cherubim was to protect the glory that's why their wings they're they're covering and they're looking downward why because because can i lift this up uh let's yeah let, let, just lift this up suavecito despacito okay because because these cherubims are protecting what's inside and they're looking downward as if to see what's inside the box the question is what was inside the ark of the covenant that represents the glory of god three things was here the ten commandments of moses which represents the law and the word of god the ten the two tablets were here the ten commandments second thing that was here was the manna that fell every morning on the dew which was the type of jesus christ and lastly the rod or the staff of aaron that even after it was cut off from the tree leaves began to grow which was the type of Jesus' resurrection. So the bread represents Jesus. The Word represents Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, Jesus. So everything in the box is Jesus. Put it back, put it back, put it back. Now, now, whenever the, whenever the people of Israel saw this, listen, it was it? Whenever the people of Israel saw this, they were aware that God was with his people. Now, this was in the holies of holies. Nobody saw it because nobody could go in except the high priest once a year and the Levites who were clean. But regular common people couldn't go in. Ah, I feel like preaching. Ooh, Jesus. They will only take this out on specific occasions. And the only ones who were qualified to carry that were Levites. Not, saying, not, not the singing Levites. The carrying, working Levites. Not the one that sang, hallelujah, glory to God. No, 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 no. Not even the high priest could touch that. Not even the preacher. It was the Levites. And here's when they would take that out of the Holy of Holies. When it was time to go to battle, grab them, grab them. I want, I want three on each side and put them on your shoulders. 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 On your shoulders. On your, let them, there you go. That's how they had to carry it. The ark of God, which represents the glory and the presence of God was on their shoulders. Now, that was made out of the most finest wood which was acacia wood. Oh God, I could preach on that wood. That wood had this liquid that it would emanate that it would heal people. And that represents Jesus. So Jesus represents healing. But then the gold represents his kingdom. Another day I preached that. Now listen, listen. And it would rely on their shoulders. The people would not see the glory of God if there were not no Levites willing to carry the glory of God. Now, now here's, here's what I'm doing today. 
You see these men here on the altar? We just created a new ministry called the Levite ministry. The Levite ministry. Because what God is doing here is not a Gabby thing. It's not a worship thing. These are the guys that made a commitment. Listen to me. These guys made a commitment every Sunday morning to pick up speakers. Get it from the Hope Center. Pick up speakers. See every speaker here? These guys, while you're putting on your makeup, these guys are at the Hope Center picking up cables and picking up speakers and making, taking out the lights and picking up the drums and the children's church over there, the, the equipment and the source, the seizure, everything you see, the, the, the toiletries and, and, and the creams and they're the ones that are carrying every Sunday to create an environment so that when you come to church, you can feel the presence of God. But imagine if they would have said, I'm not carrying this no more. Imagine if they had said, I'm not doing this no more. So today, we're officially installing them as our Levites. Now listen to me, listen to me. This is a very high esteemed position. This is a very high esteemed position. Because their job is to carry, to carry. Come this way, guys. Come. This. Hopefully, y'all don't fall. Hopefully, y'all don't fall. If y'all fall, it's not, it's not me. Did they sign disclaimer forms? Come por acá. Come por acá. Come this way. Be careful. That's a risk. It's a risk. Every Sunday is a risk. They could burn their back. They could get cramps on their legs. But they do this every Sunday. They do this every Sunday. So that when you come to church, you can say, yes, they prepare the atmosphere. So that's why I need Levites. Yes, yes, come on. But it's not just the Levites that carry the ark. We need those that clean the church of God. If your gifting is to clean, bring that gift to the church. If you go in a computer, we need you Levite today. Sign me up, pastor. I want to help the media team. Whatever your gift is, God is recruiting Levites who would carry the weight of the glory of the power of God. And while they will walk forward, the king who was the pastor was behind the ark. The worship team was behind the ark. The battlefield of the army was behind the ark. There was not a battle fought. There was not a message priest. There was not a sun song unless they were willing to carry the Ark of the Covenant. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.